You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. I wonder if you have a special place. I wonder if you have a special place that you feel like that you can relax, that you can just kind of, it's a place you can go to think, maybe have some solitude. Maybe it's a place of beauty in your life. Perhaps it's outdoors. It's hiking or running and it's just getting out on the trail perhaps. Or maybe it's a rocking chair by a window and you look out just because you've got a good view and you see the backyard, the birds, the squirrels, all the things that happen. But maybe there's a special place like that that you have. As a kid, I remember my mother had a special place. It was in the backyard. It was a it was a porch swing, but it was hung on an A-frame. Had a garden over to the left. And her few times when she had a little peace and quiet with us three kids, she would slip out to the swing early in the morning, cup of coffee in the newspaper, and that would be her special place to sit out there and swing, think, read, and a real restful time for her. One of my favorites is actually in the in the rocking chair on the patio at the lake. Or it could be the bass boat. But you see the you get to see the sun come up, I get to see the sunrise, to see the solitude, the water, the bluffs, the unspoiled parts of nature that are there. That but that to me, that's a great place to be able to watch kind of people in the distance, but yet still have some time to kind of reflect and think. What Jesus is going to talk about in his words in Luke thirteen today, what he's going to talk about today is He's going to talk about an even more special place. He referred to it as the kingdom of God. Now, if you're reading through the book of Matthew, you're going to hear him on any number of occasions talk about the kingdom of heaven. But when you try to look at those, you'll see those are interlaced and really they're talking about the same place, that kingdom of God. Jesus spoke of that special place, the kingdom of God, something over 50 times in just the four Gospels. Now, what Scripture teaches you when you start studying the Bible, you'll go, you'll say, well, if I see something that's repeated, it's said over and over, then obviously it has special significance. So when we think about the kingdom of God, and of course a conversation over 50 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know that it needs special attention. Now, When we think of kingdom, as you break that apart, kingdom, a lot of times what we think about is we think about a land mass, we think about an area, we think about territory. But the reality, when you're looking in the biblical context of what kingdom is, kingdom means to reign, R-E-I-G-N. It means to reign, or it means perhaps rule. Now, it's not a piece of land. So let's step into our scripture in Luke 13, and we'll start by reading about two parables where Jesus talks about and brings a comparison to the kingdom of God. And they're the parables of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. And we'll pick it up about verse 18. So here we are, verse 18. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? 
what shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted it in his garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Now, the Jews at the time, were, is, is, during this time of Jesus' ministry, the Jews at the time, they were thinking about a kingdom too. But it wasn't this kind of a kingdom. They were looking for the kingdom to be the overthrow of the Roman Empire, to get them off of their back, to be out from under slavery and oppression. They were looking for their kingdom to be a time when their Messiah, that they hadn't identified yet, would actually take the throne of David and would rule over the people. So see, that's what they're looking for is as they get focused on what this guy is saying as they listen oftentimes from a distance. So the mustard seed, we know that in the Jewish community, a mustard seed, a mustard plant, was often planted in their home gardens. It did a couple of things. It became, because a lot of times they, they, you know, they couldn't run down to the super center and get the spices, so what they did was they, had their, they would grow a lot of their spices and stuff in their own gardens. Well, that, that, the mustard plant was part of their spices that they used to do it. And amazingly, and I don't think about this, but a, a mustard plant actually puts off a pleasant odor. The only frame of reference I have is to open up a bottle of French's and it doesn't have much odor at all when you're smelling it out of the refrigerator. But that was one of the other uh, values they had of those habits. So it was a very common plant in that day. Now, the mustard seed itself, what it would do, and Jesus was drawing the comparison that we'll see. He said, he, he said this will start as a small plant, but what will happen is it has the opportunity to grow into a tree. Because you notice what he said. He said, and it becomes a tree and the birds can perch in its branches. Give us an idea of the size of it. He goes on in verse 20 after talking about the mustard seed, and he said, again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? He said, so, okay, I'm going to give you a second comparison. It's like the yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds, your Bible may say three measures, about 60 pounds of meal and, or a flour until it worked through the dough. Now, that small amount of yeast once it was worked through, and just to give us kind of a sense of comparison, he's talking about this small amount of yeast that would be mixed into the dough and thoroughly kneaded in there. What it would do is it would provide enough bread to, fill, to feed well over 100 people, a large amount. So in both parables, what he's talking about is he says, things start from a very small, small beginning, like the mustard seed and the yeast did, but they turn around and have a large impact. The Bible says, and our Bible commentator Matthew Henry said it pretty well when he was talking about this circumstance and kind of this environment. He was talking to, uh, thinking about this very small group of believers. So let me back up a minute. So Matthew Henry says, so he's, Jesus is talking, he's telling these stories, he's telling, he's using these parables, and he's relating these to the people. And what, he said, what Matthew Henry said, so let's go back and try to capture the likely sentiment of the crowd at the time. What was the sentiment of the crowd at that time? Well, one of the things that probably was being asked or in people's 
mind as they listened to Jesus talk was, can this man save us? He talks about things like he can, that we can be saved through him. But, you know, I don't, I don't see an army, so, how, you know, how is he going to do that? And it's pretty obvious when you look at the ragtag bunch of people he's running around with that he's not well-funded. So can this man, can he really save us? Henry says also that perhaps someone would ask the question, is it likely that this small movement can ever really have any impact? Is it really, is it really going to amount to anything? Or will it be like so many other movements and some of them that you've seen in your life, the movements and fads that kind of start, but they run out of steam and they end pretty quickly? We might even think about our congregation because when you think about it, if you just kind of looked around in this group and you say, well, let's assume for a minute that the 12 disciples were in this small environment. And then what we had was is we had this other group of, of very close believers, the ones that really hung on every word and supported him and traveled with him and did those things. Not a lot different, frankly, than what's here. But see, this little mustard seed of a movement, this leaven that he talked about, this yeast, would you really expect it to grow into something larger? And you could ask that about our church. You could ask that about freedom. Would you really expect, thinking about again, let's go back and think, let's say that this is that small group that traveled with Jesus. Would you really expect this to grow into something big? See, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, what he was doing is he was educating and he was assuring the people there that he's, he says, pay attention. From this small beginning, believe me, it is going to produce a great increase. One person I read uh, said that God decided the kingdom of God would be most gloriously revealed in a crucified and a risen king. And what we know is his ministry continued in this. He got into this stage of ministry. We're going to see before very long because he's talking about the kingdom of God and he's trying to give them this exposure because he knows that the reality of his time on earth and his ability to communicate those things is getting closer to closer to when his time here on earth would be done. See, the presence and the coming of the kingdom of God was a central message of Jesus. I was speaking with a couple on the back while ago that it's funny how you can just read things and read things and read things, but then when you go back and you really spend some time and you study, you kind of go, you know, really? It's mentioned 50 times? It's a central thing? Like, you kind of know that because he talks about heaven and, you know, we, you know, doing right and making choices. But the reality is you don't think too much about the fact that, that, that perhaps the central message of Jesus was in fact the kingdom of God. The presence of the kingdom of God, and he was here with us, and the coming of the kingdom of God. So what he was doing when, he, when he's talking about the kingdom of God, he was relating several different things. What he was doing is he said, this teaching, just like we're talking about today, his teaching was to show men how they might enter the kingdom of God. Because logically, and that's what educators do, right? We have educators here. And, and as an educator, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, 
to teach kids the path to learn, to help them understand things. And it's exactly what he was doing. He was showing them that if you want to be a part and be included in the kingdom of God, this is how you enter that kingdom. One of the other things he did with these mighty works and the miracles that he accomplished, and what he was doing is he was, he was given visible proof that the kingdom of God was present. Just think about some of the things he did. Think about raising Lazarus. That's one of my favorite lines in there, you know, when he's going to raise Lazarus, and, and you know, the people tell him, say, I don't know if I'd do that, because, whew, he stinks. Go back and read it. It's a pretty cool line. He said, he stinketh, if you read it in the New Testament, or in the, in the King James. But what we saw was, as we saw, we saw people raised from the dead. We saw people healed. We saw people by the pool that had been there for years. That, they, that their bodies were transformed and their hearts and their lives were transformed as a result of it through his mighty works. We see the parables that he used to tell these stories. And it was, they were parables that, that kind of hid themselves from some of the people. But it exposed the truth to many of the others. And he taught his disciples to pray. If you just think about it, and this is from Matthew 6, it's, 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 it's this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And he taught that to those people around him so they would understand and have a, have a framework. It wasn't about re repeating a rote prayer. It was about having a framework about how to communicate with God. So see the Lord in, in this very short prophetic couple of parables, what he's done is he's, he tells the people that the kingdom of God, he said you can just put a check mark by it because this is going to happen. The kingdom of God may be small, but what's going to happen is it's going to grow to be a mighty force throughout the earth, much different than was thought in that day. Now these are my words, not his, but he's going to tell us basically the same thing. He's going to, this is what it is. But you have a choice to make. But you have a choice to make. Because he's been talking about the kingdom of heaven, right? He's been talking about this kingdom of God, but he said you have a choice to make. There's an invitation to the kingdom of God to each one of us, and we have a choice. And what's a choice? Very simply, our choice is to accept him or it's to reject him. He goes on and he, he's talking about the narrow door in verse 22, if you'll go with me there. He goes on and he says, Then Jesus went through the towns and the villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and, and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door! But he will answer, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. 
then you will say, wait, and we drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evil doers. So see, Jesus draws a distinction because there's a distinction between knowing of him, knowing of Jesus, and really knowing him. Because sometimes what happens is you might know of him, but yet you've never made that 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 heart connection. It's kind of like the saying that's kind of threadbare now, perhaps, but you can go stand in your garage if you want to, but it doesn't make you a car, right? But we have a lot of people that, that that's what it is. If, if some of you have played the game of golf, but let me just tell you about one, and I'm terrible at it, so I don't play very often, but there's a, a, a deal called a gimme, okay? You try to spell it. But, it, but basically, it's I'll give it to you. And what happens is if you get close enough to the cup, if you get close enough to the hole, then if you're playing with friends, they don't make you go ahead and put out that last 18 inches or so. They just let you count the stroke and pick it up. So really, the good thing is if you're offered a gimme, you take it, right? Because what if you miss? You'd get two strokes getting it back in there. But the reality is, is if you if you take that gimme, you won't see that in professional golf, but you'll see people that want to take that gimme. And see, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. Because what may happen is, back to the scripture, you know, they go down, they knock on the door. Well, somebody gave them the address, or maybe they've been by the house before, and maybe they were on the tour, on the tour bus going through Hollywood, and said, well, this is where Jesus lives, right over here. Well, they knew which door to go to, right? They're panicking, they're scared, they've got to do something, they've got to make some changes in their life. My life is melting down. I've got to do something different. But they never really make the heart connection. They only know the address to try to find you. In verse 28, there will be weeping there and gnashing of the teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and you will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and those who are first who will be last. It's easy when uh, here on earth, I think, because we, we see powerful people. We see movers and shakers. We see people that have big audiences. We see people that are heads of companies, and they're talking heads on television and we tend to we tend to give them a lot of credibility here but what he's saying is in this circumstance the reality is what will matter it, it won't matter if you come from humble roots it won't matter if you have a lot or you have a little it'll be the condition of your heart that will determine that it won't be whether or not you're at a high place in this life verse 31 at that time some Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him leave this place and go somewhere else Herod wants to kill you you know there's a lot of truth in that because Herod would have loved to have killed him you know he had people kind of spotting and watching and doing things and I mean you know if you just think about that time 
Herod, what the Romans wanted to do is they wanted to, they wanted things to be stable. That's why they had a Jew, Jewish hierarchy. Their job was to keep the Jews in line, right? They're the oppressed people, and their job was to keep the Jews in line. But in this circumstance, you think, too, maybe if I'm a Pharisee, I would tell you, you know, really? I'm just going to give you some good advice, Jesus. Herod wants to kill you, and you'd be a whole lot better off if you'd moved to Branson or Nashville or maybe even Baltimore, but not, but don't be here. They had a reason to do that. They wanted him out of their hair, too, because, boy, he was making them uncomfortable. He talked about things that were completely disruptive and against the things that they had, they, that they had in fact, been preaching to the people. So Jesus' answer was this, in 32, he said, he replied, he said, go tell the fox, he called Herod the fox. Now, the fox is a cunning creature, we know that. But in, in, in amongst the Jews, that wasn't really a compliment. The fox indeed was a, was a cunning creature, but if they were really going to talk about somebody that had power and majesty, it would have been a lion, it wouldn't have been a fox. So he was somewhat critical, somewhat cutting even when he was describing. He said, go tell the fox that I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. Hidden in here is a lot of things because we know what happened after the crucifixion and what happened on the third day. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus was slowly making his way during this time, in the time frame. He's slowly making his way to Jerusalem, preaching, teaching, and healing as he went on the way. So perhaps it was a reference when he talks about no prophet and the prophets dying in Jerusalem because he really knew he was going to be one of those people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and you stone those who sent that were sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And we know what happens is a, a, a chicken would, you know, they would take their wings and try to nest and keep the predators away. they try to get the chicks close to them as he draws that picture. And you're not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's a, that's a scripture taken from Psalms 118. It's when the Jewish people will finally welcome the Messiah. But see, like the mustard seed growing and like the yeast rising, the kingdom of God is in the process of this growth. He talked about the mustard seed growing into the plant. It, it's, that's still in process. It's not, that's all, not old news. It's still in the process. Because that, that, that small beginning we talked about in this group perhaps this size, that small beginning turns into a huge nation of believers, of saints. You realize that you, in fact, are a part of that growth you're a part of that body. You're a part of what's described in these two parables as we see the growth of the kingdom. You and I are vital parts of the kingdom's growth here. You know, we're, this is not a perfect place. 
but we have Jesus, we, we, we start to participate in the kingdom of God only to understand that there'll be a day we get to participate in the perfect kingdom of God that's ahead of us. But like we said earlier, we do have a decision to make. We do have a decision to make. I tell you that the important thing is that you choose wisely. Because we've seen as he unfolded this story in these 20 or so verses this morning, we saw that there'll be people that will believe they show up at church. They occupy the pews. They fill a parking place. But they but they never really grasp and understood having a true relationship with the Savior. And that's the decision that we have to make. You know, I'm available. Our elders are available. Justin's available. Jesse and Jessica, if you're going out to throw axes this afternoon, right? Axe throwing? Okay, good. I, th I think that's biblical. You'll have to show. I'm not sure where that is. But as the youth go axe throwing, but see, they're not really going with our youth, and I hope youth that you'll show up and be there today, but they're not going with our youth to teach you how to throw axes, right? They're going to teach about the Savior, and develop a relationship that allows you to be a part of this kingdom of God that we explain. So I pray that as you leave today, we're going to sing, and, and like I say, we'll be available if anybody needs to, has business they need to do. But I would, I would tell you that what you need to do is go back and think about the story that was there today. Make sure that you're not the one on the outside knocking on the door that he says, I didn't know you. Make sure that he knows you. Make sure you know him and that you've, in fact, asked Jesus to be your Savior, to live in your heart and be a part of that kingdom of God. Bow our heads with me as our praise team comes. Father, we, we do come to you this morning because it's important for us because if, if we're part of that believing body, we want so badly for others to be a part of it with us. We want our friends, we want our loved ones, but Lord, we also know that what we can do is we can, we can lay the word out, we can live our lives, we can, we can try to minister to the best of our ability, Father, but we know at the end of the day it's a personal decision that a person has to reach to become part of the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for sharing your word with us. We thank you for letting us be a part of this yeast picture of being a part of the of the mustard plant picture that we get to be a part of this body and that we get to be a part of the growth of other believers of other saints fathers we leave this building today we just uh, we just pray father that we understand that not just in here but that when we leave those doors that's truly a mission field we need to speak it we need to live it in jesus name Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.